You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Join the photography and videography community at Photo Plus 2019, October 24th to 26th at the Javits Convention Center in New York City. This is a three-day photography and videography event. Exposes you to everything you need to improve your business and hone your craft. Get your hands on the newest gear from leading brands and hear practical tips during interactive sessions led by well-known experts directly in their booths. Visit photoplusexpo.com and use promo code MASTER to register for free. That's photoplusexpo.com, promo code MASTER. Welcome in to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Jeff Harmon. I've been told that I mumble when I say my name. I guess I just don't like dwelling on it. But So Jeff Harmon, it's actually spelled H-A-R-M-O-N, but I don't care how you spell it. Uh, I hopefully you just kind of know the name and that's good. But I'm the host for this episode, and unfortunately, I don't have anyone joining me today. It's just me, and I, I know it's a little more boring when that's the case. I'll try to be as excited and animated as I can on the on the episode. And I, I thank you so much for joining me today's episode. I want to answer a question that it seems to continually come up. In the Facebook group, in fact, the Facebook group is a great thing to mention right off the top because that's there's the question in there that uh, that prompted the topic for this episode. And if you want to join that group, there is a link in the show notes over at masterphotographypodcast.com so that you can go and, and do that. Or you can just search for Master Photography Podcast and it'll probably come up as a group that you can join. You do have to answer a question, which is why I'm going through all of this right now, of a host on the show. So we want to make sure that the the community in the group, the members of the group, the people we let into the group are listeners of the show. We want to keep the the bots and the spammers out and anyone who's not listening. And we turn away tons of people who are asking to join that group on a very regular basis. So when you're asked for the name of a host, you can say Jeff Harmon or you know, spell it however you want. As long as it looks similar to that, <laughs> then then we'll go ahead and let you in and you'll have a great opportunity to participate in a really fun community that we try to, to police as best we can in our spare time because this is not our full-time thing. <laughs> anyway, today's episode comes from a listener who asked in the Facebook group, Chris True asked, could someone provide me with a list of gear one needs to begin off-camera flash. In addition to a speed light, a stand, and an umbrella, appreciate your time. And we've already had lots of listeners provide their information. I commented and, and told Chris that I was going to answer the question um, and talk about it in a Photo Taco episode, and then I decided to just make it this week's Master Photography episode. So I'm going to go through the, the equipment in detail here for you, Chris, and I'm going to be able to, to point people to it as this recommendation here in September 2019, what is the lighting gear that I recommend to people who are just getting started into flash? Two things that I think are important with this gear. There's two things that that I think I have learned as I have recently gone through this too. And in fact, I'm still in the process of really figuring out how to incorporate flash into my photography. Uh, 
I think if I ever stop learning, I may lose some interest (laughs) in photography. And I don't see any danger of that happening. I think there's always more and more to learn. There's always more and more gear and and everything that that goes on that uh, where I can get better. And and it's just part of the fun of it to me. I really, really enjoy learning and extending my skills and expanding my skills. It's it's great. It's part of the, the appeal. But there's two things that I think are super important for someone starting out. The first is I think it needs to be inexpensive, but not cheap. And let, let me explain my distinction between those two things. Inexpensive is obvious. We We all, as we start into anything that we do, we want to know how can I dip my toe in? How can I get a feel for this thing? How can I do it without having to invest a ton of money? No matter what it is, if it's golf, if it's uh, mountain biking, whatever the activity is, we want to find out. We need recommendations from experts and people who know what they're doing, know what the the thing is that we're getting into well enough that they can say, okay, here's what you should buy when you start. And yes, there is stuff that's cheaper. There's stuff that's cheap. I'm going to say that. But it's not going to last. It's not going to be something that even though you want to to make sure you don't spend a ton of money on this when you get started, you at least want it to last like more than one shoot. (laughs) In the case of the lighting gear here, uh, you want it to last maybe a year or two, three, something like that. And, And you can really get some value out of it. You can really learn by using it before it fails or breaks or f- stops f- working in some fashion. And that's that's what I think is the difference between inexpensive and cheap. The gear that I'm going to talk about is stuff that is relatively inexpensive. And that's important relative to. It's certainly not totally inexpensive. It's There is absolutely some investment that you have to make in order to get into flash, adding flash into your photography. Is it worth it? Oh my goodness, I can't tell you how much it's worth it. Um, but I also think you need to avoid the cheap stuff. This is the stuff that's going to break really fast. And it may be way less money, but in the long run, and okay, sure, you might not be in it for the long run. You don't really know, even if you think you are right now, you may start doing it like, yeah, never mind. This is not what I want to do. But even if it's a summer, a few months that you want to try this out and really give it a go, you need something that's going to be able to perform and do its function without spending a ton of money. So that's that's my first thing. Inexpensive, but not cheap. Cheap is that stuff you're going, you're actually need to plan to replace it. Like, I know I'm spending so little money on this that when it breaks, which won't be very long, very far from now, I'm just going to replace it. And maybe by then I'll save up more money to buy something better. And, and if that's all you can do right now, do it. Because getting into flash, adding flash to your photography, especially portrait photography, is it, 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 I just can't emphasize enough how much that actually impacts your image quality. It is incredible what it will do. All right, the second thing that I think is really, really important then, even if you don't spend a ton of money, if it doesn't actually function <laughs> very well, that defeats the purpose too. You're you're learning something that you don't know anything about yet, most likely. You're, uh, you need things to function correctly 
because you don't know enough to be able to troubleshoot it. It's kind of like I feel with my cars, my vehicles. I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast that I'm not a car guy. I I mean, I can recognize cars. I, I can appreciate cars, but I have zero interest in working on cars, zero interest in even doing the minimal maintenance. I If it's an oil change, I'm going to go take it to a place to do the oil change. I would so much rather work on many other things in my life than dealing with that with cars. And I just need them to work. And so I need, I don't want to have to deal with troubleshooting them and trying to figure out what it is I need to do to make them work. It that All that means is I got to take it to somebody to figure that out for me. I just have zero interest in making that work. And that that's not going to be fully the case here. You are interested in this topic. You're interested in learning how to do flash photography and how to add that to your your uh, your your tool set so that you can realize your creative vision. But you need it to function, uh, at least at the beginning. You can't have like troubleshooting that you have to do added on top of this to make it even that much harder to be able to do your photography. And so the, the gear I'm going to recommend to you is going to be very functional and as simple to use as it can be. Now, some of these pieces are not super simple to use. And that's why it's going to take some experience, some practice, some training, some some time investment to learn how to do it. And it's again, I, I think it's part of the fun to be able to do that. And some would say, well, that's part of the fun of cars too and, and working on vehicles. And okay, you might be right. I just have my own personal decision. I, I'm not interested in doing that. <laughs> so, but it, it's probably a very similar analogy. People can spend tons of times on cars to figure out how to do it. And as they do that, they have more options available to them on what kinds of cars they're going to buy and what condition the car needs to be in and what they're going to do with the car to maintenance and, and, and all of that kind of thing. So again, just recapping, inexpensive but not cheap gear. And it's going to work and be as simple as possible to use. Those are the two things that I wanted to emphasize as I do this. Now, let's talk very briefly about why do flash. And I want to include that in this discussion, even though the focus is going to be on exactly what gear I I recommend to someone starting out. Here's my argument for why it is, especially as a portrait photographer, you really need to consider adding flash to your work. I went through the phase in my own photography for quite a while where I told people and I tried to sell it as a, a value add as I mean, you're trying to sell your service anyway, but I was making a point of it as if this was a, a massive benefit to potential clients is I'm a natural light photographer. I don't need all that gear. I don't need all the flashes and the light stands and the soft boxes and the studio and I don't need all of that. I can just, we'll just go with your family. We're going to go pick a beautiful place to take photos. We're going to create some fantastic images. We're going to be able to be nimble and fast and capture candid shots. And, and we're going to produce some, some fabulous images and you're going to love it. And it's true. I could do that. I got good enough at, at exposure to be able to do a decent job of balancing the light um, with the models, with the the families and the subjects of the people in my portraits. And we could go anywhere and we could be really fast in shooting things. It also ended up that a lot of shots didn't turn out well. A lot of shots I couldn't make look good 
my shutter speeds were too slow in order to get enough light in, or I had to go with such fast shutter speeds and I still couldn't really get the light to look right. So I was limited really in kind of the time frames that we could shoot and have it come out well. There were limitations, totally possible. And if if you want to be a natural light photographer, there's a market for that. There's a reason to do that. And and I 100% endorse, like go do it. Absolutely. Shooting is what I want to encourage everyone to do. I just want to make sure that you're not saying you're a natural light photographer because you don't know how to do flash. Like if you learned how to do flash and you still choose natural light, just only using natural light to light your your photos, that's fine. Perfect. Go do it. Go make people happy. There's a lot of people who really love that look and you know, you can work around the constraints and you get really good at it and you can deliver fantastic results. But check out Flash and learn it first before making that decision of I'm a natural light photographer. I didn't do that. I was saying I was a natural light photographer mostly because I didn't know how to use Flash. And that was not the right reason to say that. Once I finally listened to so many people, so many photographers who were helping me by suggesting that I should just try it, just see what Flash does for my portrait work. Uh, Once I tried it, I was like, wow, (laughs) wow, I can't believe the difference this makes. So if you're on the fence, if you're like, I don't know, it's going to take some money. I don't know how to do it. It looks complicated. I don't have the time to figure it out. I encourage you to see if you can make the time and save up the money so you can give it a try, a really good try, and and go figure it out. There's lots of things to do to try to learn it. I'm not going to go through that in this episode because this is one where I'm going to focus on the gear. I, I try to stay away from focusing on the gear because I think there's so many more things to photography than the gear. But in this episode, we're going to get into the gear. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And let's do that right now. We're going to start off then with, the, of course, the main feature of adding artificial light to your photographs, and that is the flash. You've got to get the flash, the, the unit that is going to generate artificial light. As you press the shutter button, it's going to pop, produce a bunch of light, and add light to your photo. That's what we're talking about. Okay, the the base recommendation the thing I'm going to say that is the best option that I know of and am personally using in my photography today here in September 2019 is uh, the brand of Flash is Godox. That's G-O-D-O-X. And all of this stuff will be in the show notes, including links that if you decide you want to buy some of this gear, if you will go to the show notes and click on my link to get there, it's an affiliate link. It will get me, it, you'll, you'll be supporting the show financially a little bit by doing that. It won't cost you a penny more when you go to buy, but I get a, a tiny little bit of, of uh, affiliate income if you use my link. So I'd appreciate that if you did that. So the Godox brand is one I'm going to recommend. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll know that at some point in the past, sometimes in the past, a lot in the past, we've recommended the Young Nuo brand. The, the Young Newell YN560 as the specific flash model that we recommended. And I still, they're still really good flashes. They're still very, very nice. I have them. That's where I started. The Godox wasn't 
either I wasn't aware of them or they weren't an option when I was buying them several years ago. But uh, the, so if you have young Neo flashes today, don't feel like you're in any less a, a position to be able to, to do really incredible things with lighting because they can. The YN560s, the young new YN560s are still a very good option, but not the option I'd recommend for someone just starting out today. And that's, that's to get into the Godox brand of lights. Um, I'll explain a little bit more about why after I talk about the two flashes. But the Godox TT600 is the base flash that I'm going to recommend. It runs $65 a flash, which if you've looked into flashes, you'll know that's a really inexpensive cost. It may not be the cheap end, <laughs> but I'm avoiding the cheap end. I don't want to recommend something that's on the cheap end, but it is really reasonable, like a very, very reasonable cost. And it it even supports a few, uh, I don't know, upper end features, at least one that's kind of an upper end feature. And that's something called high speed sync. And I don't want to go into the, what that is here. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an episode I did with my friend Levi Sim, where we talked about flash sync speed and high speed sync. And and you can go check that out. If, if you don't know what those are, that's a good episode to be able to check out so you can learn about it. But the Godox TT600 is an incredible flash to, be, to start with and learn how to do this. It's, it's going to be very functional. It's, going to, it's, it's very inexpensive. And it's very capable, including this high-speed sync feature. Um, you could buy just one of them and start playing around with them for sure. That's, that's totally valid. Start trying to add some light to your photos. That does tend to produce a pretty flat look, which means you're, you're not getting the really pleasing effect that we want with our lighting, where the highlights, the transition from the highlights, the, the brightest parts of the skin or your face on a, on a model to the dark shadow area. We want that to be a really as gradual a progression as we can. We want to have both. We don't want to eliminate all shadows. That also is kind of a flat lighting look, but we don't want to have harsh shadows. You don't want to be able to see like a line transition where it's very bright and then a line and dark, super dark that we just, we don't want that. It's not a very appealing or flattering look on our photos. And that's a single light source, a single flash will mostly produce that result. You can offset it a little bit with a reflector of some kind. You can go to the hardware store and buy foam board, white foam board for dirt cheap. I didn't include this in my recommendations, but you can find that really inexpensive and use that to kind of bounce some of the light that comes off of the flash and is bouncing around in the room or in out, outdoors, wherever you're at, just bouncing around um, to reflect a little bit of that light into the shadows and get some of that back or make that transition a little smoother is a way to do that. So you, it's possible with one light and a really, I'll call it cheap, <laughs> a very cheap kind of white foam board from a hardware store. Or you can do two lights, you know, by pay $65 a piece and get two that gives you more options than you can kind of do a main light and a fill light and it gives you some good options or three is even better that that when you have three lights, you have so much flexibility and you can become you have a lot more options to be creative in your lighting. You can focus on getting like, you know, just establishing and understanding how to use the light so you can get solid three point lighting uh, or or you can start changing things and and at $65 a piece, even for 
a hobbyist like me, that's not an incredible amount of money to spend on trying to get going with this stuff. And uh, so you're, you're going to have to decide based on your budget. I absolutely want you want to encourage you do not overspend on this stuff. I'm a firm believer in staying within your means and you shouldn't, shouldn't go into debt on this. I, I you know, I, I don't think you should do that. Um, but so if you have to buy them one at a time over several months, then do that and grow it a little bit at a time, plan around with them so you can kind of get to learn how to use them functionally and what do the lights, how does the light get produced and, and grow it a little bit at a time is totally a valid approach with this. Now, if, if you want to graduate to a little better light, and this is supposed to be for beginners, so I was kind of hesitant to even mention it, but I have to because these flashes are just so incredible. It gives you way more options. If, if you're going to plan to do portraits outdoors, the TT600 is going to be really good like dusk to evening, right? Dusk to like lights, the sun's almost gone kind of time frames, golden hour and later in the day or earlier an hour before golden hour to to golden hour in the sunrise time frame. That's when the TT 600 outdoors is going to be great. But when the sun's there and you have to compete with the sun, the TT 600 is probably going to struggle a little to produce enough light to really impact your photo. It's still going to help. It's especially if, if you're can put the uh, the sun behind your model and then use the TT 600 to add, throw a little light onto your model and balance it out a little. It's, it's going to be pretty good there. And if you could double them up, of course, that's double the power and that's pretty good. But the Godox AD, like Apple Dog 200, is a fantastic flash slash strobe. And I, I don't want to go into the details of what the differences between those are, but you you can grow into these. I beginners absolutely don't need these. You you need you should get the TT six hundred lights and and learn how to use those. And only when those aren't cutting it anymore, you can't quite do what you want to do with your light because there's not enough power or the recycle times are too slow or you need a different head on your on the flash. Only when you're to the point where that's going to matter to you should you really consider growing and adding the AD two hundred to your kit. But I had to mention them because I just I love these lights. <laughs> it took me a long time as a, as a hobbyist. Three hundred dollars is like oh that hurts when it's just for one light and uh, that was it's painful. So so it took me a while. I checked them out a lot and I read uh, everything about them. I I pretty well knew exactly how to use them and how to set it up um, because I I looked into them for so long before buying them that that it was like oh I finally have it and I can use it. But um, you, know, you, you, you can totally wait. You don't need this if you're starting out to, to get there. One of the features, just briefly mention, um, one of the cool things, there's so many cool things, but one of the cool things that's very different is the type of head that's on the flash that I just mentioned a second ago. The TT600 has the normal traditional head on the flash. It's that rectangular head that you, you all know very well because you've seen flashes your whole lives, you've seen them at events. And and you know what I'm talking about, the rectangular head. It's actually called a Fresnel lens. And, um, you know, they're, they're great. They, it's it's very functional. There's a reason that they're built that way in so many flashes. It's because it works. It's, it does what it needs to. 
But the Godox AD200, it has that same head that you can do, but you can also detach that head and attach a different head that uses a bulb. And that bulb does a much better job of filling like a soft box with even light across the whole soft box. It's, it's a really nice thing to have. Again, beginners, if, if you're just getting started into this, ignore the AD200. You don't need to worry about that. Just go with the TT600 and get started. Okay, so those, those are the flashes that I'm going to recommend. There's tons of options there. And certainly there's other gear, other choices, way more expensive choices too that you can get. And if you can afford it and, and you want to get those options, go for it. That's fine. But, you know, get into it. Go go see what Flash can do for you. Those are just the two models that I'm going to recommend. Now let's talk about the controller. So you have these flashes. Let's assume you had enough funds to be able to get three of those Godox TT600 flashes. All right, perfect. I've got three flashes. Now I want to use them together in a shoot. Well, I can only put one on my camera, which you really shouldn't do, but we're not going to go into exactly how to use them as you set up your lights. That's a totally different topic and we don't have time for it. So, but you, you could only put one on. What are you going to do with the other two? How are you going to, how are you going to make them fire? Well, there's a couple of ways you can do it. One is wouldn't require any other gear and that's to put them in slave mode. If your camera has a flash built into it and the, the pro level cameras don't, but more of the consumer end of the camera does have a little pop-up flash on your camera that will pop up if you push the flash button or if you're in an auto mode where it thinks it needs to flash, use the flash. And you can actually configure these Godox, any of the flashes really, to be in something called slave mode where when that that little flash on your camera pops, it sees that and it says, oh, they want me to pop the flash now and they pop too. And I know it, it seems like as I describe that, if you've never done this before, that that's not going to work. You're going to have like, you know, the pop from your, your camera. And then you'll see like the flashes, the other three flashes like pop at different times. And it's not, they're not going to sync together and work, but it totally does. It totally works great. Yeah. There, they, there is a tiny bit of delay, but it is so small that it doesn't matter. They're essentially in sync, even though that's how it's working. They're waiting, watching for the light to change with that pop of the flash on your camera and then they'll fire. So you can totally make it work that way and not have to buy this flash controller. But boy, is this flash controller nice to have. Is It makes a world of difference. In the scenario where you don't have it, if you decide you need to change the power of a flash, you're going to have to leave the position you're standing in as you're taking the photo, walk over to the flash, change, make the adjustments, walk back to your position. You can do it. Totally do it. If you need to save the money, if you can't afford to do it, then that's a way to get going and do it. Go go make it happen. But for $70, <laughs> you can get the Godox X-Pro controller. And it just it's a little tiny device that fits in the hot shoe of your camera. And then when the camera tries to goes to take the picture, it sends the signal to the hot shoe and the, this device reads that signal and will relay the signal off to the other flashes to tell them to pop. And it it's really good. It works almost flawlessly. I can't say that I've never had a misfire where the flash didn't fire. It happens occasionally, but it's fairly rare. I might get one time in a shoot of, you know, several hundred, maybe even several thousand times that I'm using the flash and, and clicking the shutter button to take photos that I might have one of the flashes, one of the three or four that I'm using, not fire. 
and you know it's not com- it's not foolproof and i don't think that's it's totally foolproof with any brand of flashes and controllers and whatever there's there's things that just kind of make it so that they sometimes and hopefully very rarely don't fire but they they occasionally won't from this kind of a trigger but uh but it's it's so good it's not really almost not worth mentioning that they they sometimes won't fire i only did so that you you could know what to expect that there may be a time <laughs> that you'll have where it doesn't fire and then just do it again just you know wait for them to cycle wait wait for them to power up and then you know trigger a, another shutter release and and take another photo and it probably is going to all work like the, the next time okay so this x pro trigger that you're the controller the, the i've heard the term both controller and trigger um you need to buy one that is specific to your camera manufacturer. So uh, I have links in the show notes for Canon, Nikon, Sony, Fuji, Olympus, Panasonic, and Pentax. So that should cover pretty much everybody listening to this show um, where they have a controller that's going to be for you. The reason you need to get the one that's for your controller, for a lot of them could probably technically mix and match just fine as far as triggering the flashes to go. And there's no difference as far as the communication from the controller to the flash. That's exactly the same between all of them. The difference is that high-speed sync feature I mentioned that's even in that basic entry, entry-level TT600 flash, it has to work specific to the camera manufacturer. They are not all the same with regard to that feature. And so if you want to use that feature, you need to get the one that matches your camera manufacturer. And it's not that hard to do because I have a link for you on which one to get. So it's really easy to go do that. And uh, the other big benefit then, besides being able to have this controller trigger the flashes to pop instead of relying on them noticing this pop from your own flash, which you may not even have on your camera. The other big benefit, and this is maybe even a bigger reason, I, I think it's a bigger reason to do is. Like I said, with the the slave mode idea, no controller, you have to leave your position where you're shooting from and go over to the, the flash and change adjust things. With this controller, you you don't have to move anywhere. You just you know lower your camera down so you can see because the the interface of this controller is kind of on the top. So you have to lower it from your eye. You look at the top, you push a button, and you can change the power level. You can change the zoom level. You can group them together. It, it's it's really neat, really cool the way that it works. It is probably going to take you a little bit to figure out how to use it, what what buttons, how it is that you select the right the flash, and and what buttons you have to use to change the power of the flash. But it it's not too tough, and just even playing around with it for a few minutes, you'll usually be like, oh, I get it, I see how this works, and uh, and it's going to be pretty good. So totally worth the seventy bucks to add this to your kit and and make it work. There is another controller option from Godox that is a good option. It's it's actually even 10 bucks cheaper at $60. It's called the X2T. It has it's actually newer than the X Pro and it has a feature as a Bluetooth thing and it has it has a hot shoe built into the controller too. So with the X Pro you put it in the hot shoe of your camera and now you have no hot shoe that you can use on your camera. It's it's using that slot and that's all that can go in there and you're done. With the X-T2 controller, the same thing. You mount it into the hot shoe of your camera, but it on the top of the controller, the X-2T, 
has another hot shoe. It's like an extension. It's it can it's going to pass the signal through from the camera through it to it you know, on top the controller on or the hot shoe on the tops, and you can put something else in there. It could be another brand of controller if you needed that. Um, so there's that feature. I personally am not going to recommend that one for someone that's getting started only because I think the Go- the X Pro is more user-friendly. I think it's easier to use. And um, so so it's not going to be my recommendation for a beginner. But if if you care about that hot shoe, then this is the option to get. Or if you really, the, there's this Bluetooth-enabled function in it that allows you to like pair it with your iPhone and use it to to control the flashes with your iPhone. So if yeah, that's something that interests you, then you you would want to go with this option. Just know you're going to have a little bit more work to do to figure out how to use the thing. Um, just the the ergonomics of it and the way they the options they have for presenting it in order to get that hot shoe available on the top. There's some compromises that have to be made on the the user interface of how you use the device. So I'd recommend the X Pro, but the X2T is a fantastic controller still and has a few features that the X Pro doesn't. And again, I'll have um, camera specific links in the show notes if you want to get the X2T. All right, let's move on to light stands. That's the next thing that you're really going to need to consider. You have your flashes and you have your controller, but now if you want to use them, you need to be able to control exactly where they're positioned. And if you put them on the ground, which they'll come with these feet, the TT, uh, TT600 comes with these like feet that you can put on there, the, the hot shoe mount uh, feet. And yeah, they then they can kind of be on the floor if you need. But it's, it's almost never is that the right position for the light. You, you usually need the lights up. They need to be higher up. And so you need a stand to put them on. And um, they're called light stands. And the, there's two brands that I'm going to recommend. Although the first one, I'm a little bit hesitant to recommend because it it's really bordering, maybe even in that cheap kind of concept that I talked about at the beginning of the episode. It's the, the Niwer two-pack of nine-foot light stands for a very inexpensive, or I might even say cheap, $43. They're not the sturdiest of light stands. I've bought them a couple of times now. I have some that have done okay. I have some that fell apart. And so if you need the really inexpensive, or may I'll, I think I'll use the word cheap option here, this is the cheapest I would go is these newer two pack nine foot stands that I have, I'll have a link to in the show notes. It'll work, especially if you're going to be indoors then, and you're not going to have winds to deal with and, and putting stress on the stands, then they're going to be okay. They're going to last. It's when I've taken them outside, that's when they've kind of struggled and the wind has just wreaked havoc. They're, it's really been kind of a challenge to get them to use their, their, because they're not very sturdy, they're not very bulky, they're not very heavy, you put a, a softbox on the top. You put on a light modifier that's going to catch any wind, an umbrella, and these things are going to go down so easy. Even if you have a, a sandbag on them, the wind, the pressure, the tension that the wind's going to put on the, the stand itself with it being weighed down on the bottom, it, they're not real great. So just know that they're not the sturdiest of light stands, but if, if the budget means 
you can't get anything yet unless it can be the $43 for the two of them, then do that option and go go and start getting to work. That, that'll be great. It's the only reason I put them in here was to cover that end of the spectrum where someone just couldn't afford to buy the the better version of the stand. So the the version I'm going to recommend that is far more durable yet still fairly priced to me is the Impact Air Cushioned Heavy Duty 9 foot 6 inch light stands. They are $55 a piece. So, you know, they're more than twice as expensive as those newer brand. Uh, but they are so, so good. So durable. I I know these things are going to last me for a very long time. I've had them fall over in the wind because the wind's still the wind. And they're fine. There's There's been no problems. The air cushioned part, let me explain that just super briefly. It's not something I would pay for extra if I couldn't. Like if I if they had a, a $10 less option that didn't have the air cushioning, I would do that. But that isn't an option. They don't offer one that's $10 less without the air cushioning. And it's kind of nice. It's nice. Uh, imagine you have your you you have a light modifier and a flash on top of your light your light stand and you want to lower it down a little bit. So you're going to loosen up the bracket on the light stand to try to lower it down, let it telescope back into itself a little bit and, and lower down. And if you only have one hand, if, if you loosen that, that bracket that's keeping it upright, keeping it t- fully telescoped out, it's going to come crashing down. It's going to crash down right on your hand. It hurts when that happens. I've done it a lot. And, um, and then you could risk like the light itself being dislodged from the light stand coming off and falling on the ground, which is never good for your light. And it's likely no matter what brand of light you've got, it could just shatter into pieces there on the ground. It's a, it's a real challenge. So the air cushioning just makes it so that if you loosen that bracket and release the tension, so it's going to telescope or collapse back in. It's going to just do a nice little gentle collapse. <laughs> There's air cushioning that collapse and it's it's really nice. So I wouldn't pay extra for it. If I could buy one that didn't have it, I would. But it's it's a nice thing. It's So it's good to mention. It's, it's in the name of it. So I thought I'd talk to it. So number of light stands, you're going to have to decide how many you want to get. If you bought three flashes, you probably want to have three light stands. So you can put each one of them on a, on a stand and have total flexibility and options of where you're going to position the lights, trying different heights, trying different positions, be able to move them around and, uh, and, and do that. So that would be my recommendation. I actually have more than that, just different purposes, different lights, different modifiers. But, uh, for a beginner, I get enough that you can use all the lights on a light stand. All right. The next option, the next thing to consider with lighting is uh, a very, a very inexpensive modifier Uh, And in this case, actually, I'm going to tell you that you want the cheap modifier, (laughs) and that's a silver umbrella. Um, I'm going to recommend the newer 2 by 33 inch reflective umbrellas. You get two of them for 17 bucks. And um, I have bought uh, more expensive versions of them. And I can tell you that the wind kills them just as fast if you spent more money on them. (laughs) There's not really super durable. At least I haven't tried any. So in this this is one case where cheap is what you want because they're they're probably going to get killed especially if you're going to use them outdoors they're going to get they're going to fail they're going to get fall over they're going to have wind hit them and you're just going to need to replace them when they really won't open up anymore so i want as inexpensive a version of these things as i can get and they i it's 
hard to find something less expensive than $17 for two. <laughs> and uh, so that's a good deal. And that's, that's the one I'm going to recommend. The use for it would be something like a big group. If you need to light a big group, this is one of the best ways to do it. I still use these today, even though I have a whole bunch of other modifiers and options to choose from. This is what I'm doing to light large groups is two silver umbrellas. It does a fantastic job. And large groups, probably like more than eight or so uh, people, then then you, you might need to switch to something like a silver umbrella. All right. The next one, next, next bit of gear is the shoot through umbrella. Very A little bit different. With the silver umbrella, you're really reflecting the light. You're going to shoot the flash into the umbrella, have it come out from the umbrella because of the silver lining that's there. It's going to reflect almost all of that light and reflect it back out as bigger light lights. That's what you're trying to do when you modify the light. Make it as big as you can get it so that it will be as soft and pleasing as you can. The bigger the light source, the more pleasing it is. It's kind of a counterintuitive concept, but it's really how it works. And you're going to figure that out as as you go and and try all this stuff. So um, the white diffuser umbrella is a little different. You're still going to shoot through it. You're still going to point the flash at it. But instead of trying to rely on the reflected part of the light with the silver umbrella, you're really going to rely on it still just passing through the umbrella. So you're going to still point the flash at the people and it's just going to pass through the umbrella before it gets to the people that, that you're shooting. And uh, they work really well, really, really effective at diffusing the light, having a very pleasing effect. And this one I'm going to recommend is the newer 60 inch soft white diffuser umbrella for 30 bucks. The link will be in the show notes. If you can't quite afford the other modifiers I'm going to mention after this, this is the one to get. And you probably, you may even want it anyway, just as an option. As you're doing a shoot, you may decide, you know, what I really need here is a white umbrella to shoot through. That's really what I'm looking for with this particular shot. So it's a good piece of gear to have. I don't use it a whole lot these days because I prefer the other modifiers that I have available to me, but they're a good thing to have. And you know, all of the costs that I've talked about so far are really starting to mount up. So when you can get some modifiers that are going to make the lights look better when you use them, um, saving some money and getting some pretty inexpensive, or in the case of the silver umbrella, cheap umbrella, then that's a good thing to do. So 30 bucks for the umbrella. And then you're going to need something to go on the light stand. I Actually, for both umbrellas, you're going to need a way to mount the umbrella to a light stand. And for that, you're going to, I'm recommending the two pack and went camera flash speed light mount swivel. And this thing does more than just mount an umbrella. It has a, a spot for a hot shoe flash too, but uh, it's 16 bucks for two of them. So they're pretty inexpensive again. And I've, I've used these for a while now. They, they work really well and hold that, that umbrella for you. Great. So that's, uh, that's something you're going to need if you're going to mount those umbrellas to the light stands and you're going to want to do that. Okay, so those those are the first kind of things I'd get. Now, for the first real modifier, let's call it that, the, the first like serious modifier that you're going to get, the silver umbrella and the white umbrella are good things. They definitely help, but there's some big downsides to them, and I don't want to go through the details of what all that is right now, but the, the next one I'm going to recommend is a much better and easier to use option it's just not as much on the inexpensive side of things as I would like. They are, it's a little bit more expensive to get into and get going on 
then those options are. And that's Magmod gear. If you've listened to the podcast for very long, you've you've heard Erica is a massive fan of pod of Magmod, uh, Connor too, and the Magmod gear. The the advantage to it is how easy it is to use. It makes this stuff so simple. And it is so durable. It's going to last a really long time. So it definitely fits on that part of the the two points that I wanted for all this gear. I just wish it was a little less expensive, but it's still not horrible in the cost. It's totally worth it. It, The value is there. It's just it absolutely is a bit of an investment to get there. So first off, you have to start with the MagMod Mag Grip. So this is a bit of of stretchy rubber material that you you kind of stretch over the top of your your flash and then it has two really strong magnets on either side of the flash and then so that that's how what you're going to use to mount these things to your flash and it's really it's really cool i i I want more options like this where the magnets are there because you can change your mind you can change the setup like instantly just as fast as you can think it, you can keep up with doing it and, and swapping things out and changing what attachments, what light modifiers you're using and how and where. It's it's really fabulous that way. So then that's the mag grip is $25. It's $25 per light. You're going to need one of these mag grips for every light that you want to use the MagMod stuff on. So you're going to start at 25 bucks a light. Then you need, then there's a few modifiers that you can add to that. The one that I'm going to recommend you start with first, like above anything else, the MagSphere. It's a a really fantastic modifier that softens the light. A very similar kind of look to the shoot-through umbrella, but um, way easier to use, way, way easier to use, and uh, not quite as big a light source, but you have options to be able to use these other things in addition to the mag sphere where with the umbrella, you, you have a challenge. So I, I would recommend that one. And in fact, if, if you wanted to, if you have to choose between getting the umbrellas and the, the umbrella mount for the light stand and going with a single mag grid and mag sphere, I'd say, even though it's a little more money, the mag grip and the mag sphere are what you should get instead of the white umbrella. That that would be my recommendation to you. It's that much of a difference on how easy it is to use it. Then you have the mag grid, which sounds just like the mag grip, but it, there's a P and a D that's different there. The mag grid looks like a, a honeycomb kind of thing that you, you put over the top of the flash. And what it does is help to direct the light. So when the light leaves the flash, it's going to try to spray out in all directions, 360 degrees coming out of that light. The rectangular head type that we've talked about, it's called a Fresnel lens that's on the top of the flash. That that type um, does constrain it a little bit so it doesn't quite go 360 full strength everywhere. It directs the light a little bit, but it's still, as, as it comes out of the flash, it's going to try to go everywhere. And if you put this mag grid on the flash it helps to like direct the light so that you can control making it go more straight out of the flash and less spilling out everywhere else. And uh, so it, it's helpful if that's something you need to do to contain the light, 
direct where it's going to go. There's another one called the the uh, Mag Snoot, I think it is, that does an even better job of this. Or I'm I can't remember the name of it now, but it's not one that's in my top recommendations for beginners to take a look at. But the Mag Grid, I think, is valuable enough. It's thirty five dollars to get one, and uh, I think it's a valuable thing to to have as something to try if you're having a challenge with light spilling out where you don't want it adding the mag grid can help to control that. All right. Then the last one that is super fun and maybe I shouldn't have it be in the beginner kind of recommendations, but it's so much fun and not too much more money to uh, just expand your creativity. I just used these recently in a high school dance photo shoot that I did. It was really fun. It's the mag gel and the mag gel set, the standard mag gel set. So the mag gel is $30. It's a little holder and then the mag gel set are these gels that you put inside the holder. And these are really high quality gels. They're going to last a long time. It's not like the, the really flimsy gels that you maybe have seen where they're only good for a shoot or two before they get like wrinkles in them or tears in them and, and have a problem. These are gels are going to last like a long time. And, uh, and then you, you put them in really easily with the mag gel. You don't have to tape them down. They just... All of this is by magnets. It's beautiful. It's such a simple system. I really love it. It, it makes it so that you can focus on shooting and focus on, on what you're trying to do with the lights and not have to worry about, well, now how do I attach this thing to my light stand? And, and oh, this is taking so long for me to get this thing out and get it set up. And it, it's just a, a really incredible system that I can highly recommend. MagMod stuff. All, my link, all the links will be there in the show notes. Okay, we're going to talk about soft boxes and a background stand for beginners in just a second. But first, I want to thank a sponsor for this episode. That is the Photo Plus Expo. You've established a solid career, but these days it can be tough to shine among growing competition. What are you doing to up your game? We're talking about lighting here. That's something that you can really up your game with. But are you you up to date on the latest trends, technologies, and techniques? You can really up your game if you you go and register for Photo Plus 2019. This is a three-day photography and videography event that exposes you to everything you need to improve your business and hone in your craft. You get hands-on with the newest gear from leading brands, and you're going to hear practical tips and tricks during interactive sessions led by well-known experts, exhibitors host education sessions directly in their booths. It's really fun to be able to, to see that and participate in that. You're going to have topics that cover everything from lighting, like we're talking about today. Be a good way to go and learn some lighting if you're just getting into this and, and you're in the New York area then or plan to be. Uh, in October, then this is this is something you absolutely need to go check out. They also are going to talk about composition to design. They're going to go through like image capture, retouching, storage, how to better promote yourself and your work. All of this is there and available. No matter your specialty, you'll connect with peers and creative leaders. You're going to gain access to a full spectrum of technical and tactical knowledge to put into action right away. Your competition's continuing to elevate. Take the time to invest in yourself and your personal craft and and go check out this Photo Plus Expo. If you've been to the conference before, this isn't the first year it's been running. It's a little different this year. They're not offering a separate paid conference. All of it, all of the things I just talked about are being offered completely for free. All you have to do 
to get this is go and go to the Photo Plus Expo. It's, it's running October 24th to 26th at the Javits Convention Center in New York City. Uh, just go to photoplusexpo.com. Check it out. See what's there. And if you decide you want to register, you can register for free and let them know that you want to thank this podcast for sending them your direction um, by using uh, promo code MASTER. So that'll really help out the show. If you if you want to help out the show and make sure we continue to go, uh, it'd be great. Just support our sponsors. Head over to photoplusexpo.com, promo code MASTER to let them know that we sent you to them and uh, register absolutely for free. Go check that out. All right. First softbox is what I'm going to call out next for a beginning photographer. And the first softbox I'm going to recommend is it's got a horribly long name. It's called the Photodiox F60 Quick Collapse Flash Softbox. It's 24 inches. And I love this softbox. This was the first softbox I bought. It was based on a recommendation I had from uh, Connor, I believe. And I figured Connor knows his portrait stuff. So I'm going to take a chance on this. I'm going to I'm gonna go get this thing and I'm going to figure out how to use it. It's $65. So not too bad for the cost of a modifier. One of the less expensive options I've talked about. And um, you don't need any other attachments. It's got a handle built into it. So you can either have an assistant hand hold it, which is how I've mostly used it actually. I've had my wife who, who assists me or or we switch and she shoots while I hold it. But either way, we, we have an assistant that's holding this up by the handle and, and it works great. It's not too heavy and uh, it does a, it's a really good softbox modifier to diffuse that light, make it a nice big light, but not harsh and soften things. It's beautiful the, what it produces. You, you should know that it's the way that it the flash mounts into this softbox is via a, a hot shoe mount. So it's going to mean the flash has to have a hot shoe mount on it, which is the TT600 that we talked about at the beginning. The $65 guy, he, he's going to fit in there great. That guy's going to go in there and, and it works beautifully. I love it. The AD200 will not be going in this softbox. So this softbox, if you're going to use the AD, the more expensive $300 flash, it won't even it won't mount in this softbox. So you won't want to get this one. Um, but other than that, you don't need any other attachments or anything. The, the handle has a hole in the bottom and it can actually slide right onto a light stand and, and you can tighten it down on a light stand too. So you don't need anything else. You can just buy the softbox and as long as you have a hot shoe flash, then it's going to mount in there and it's going to be great. It's a really good option. I really love this, although I haven't used it as much lately because I have the next two softboxes <laughs> that I can recommend. These are a little bit bigger and a little bit higher quality as far as build quality goes, soft boxes. Um, I've actually on my second of that Photodiox F60 quick collapse soft box because I broke the handle on the first one. There's that hole in the bottom, so it's a hollow handle, and I broke the handle. I shattered it. It, it dropped on the ground once, and it shattered the handle. So um, I have a. I had to buy. I'm on my second one, and. Uh, these these are different because you're going to need an additional bracket mount in order to both mount the flash and get the softbox attached to a light stand. And I'll tell you that in a second. But these are also Photodiox brands. And Photodiox is spelled F-O-T-O-D-I-O-X. 
These are the Photodiox Deep Easy Pro 28 inch and Deep Easy Pro 36 inch parabolic soft boxes. Um, there's a lot of options you have with soft boxes. There's a lot of options that are inexpensive. There's a lot of options that are cheap. These are not cheap. They, they're good quality. They're going to last for a while. They're also not totally inexpensive. The 28-inch version is $70, and the 36-inch version is $145. They're very worth it, though, because of the quality of diffusion that they do in this as a softbox. I just love them. The other big advantage for these over a lot of brands, other brands that may even be similarly or less ex- similar priced or less expensive is these are also quick collapse. What that means is I can set this light up. I can take it out of the carrying case they come with and I can have it set up in under 15 seconds because it sets up like an umbrella. You stretch it, you you push down, you know, like on an umbrella, how you you uh, you push towards the top of the umbrella and and all the rods stretch out and then it like clicks into place and locks. It's the same thing that you do with these. You set them up exactly the same way. They have a little release so that when you're done, you just reach in there and hit the release and it collapses back down. It sets up and takes down so fast. And there's a lot of soft boxes that are not that way. <laughs> they take a long time to set up and you don't want to be doing them a lot. I don't shoot in a setup studio, a studio that's set up all the time. So the setup and takedown time matters a lot to me. I imagine for a lot of people who are getting into to flash photography, it's going to matter a lot to them too. So these are two that I can highly recommend. High quality and very simple to set up and take down. The, the One of the downsides is you do have to also have a way to mount them to the light stand and mount the flash to the softbox. There's not a way to do it by itself. These, I bought the Bowens mount. I think they offer several different types of like flash mounts, how it is that you're going to mount the flash and the light stands to the, the softbox. But I bought the Bowens mount and that's what the link will be in the show notes. And then I also bought the Godox S-Type Bracket Bowens Mount Holder. What this does is it it mounts to the light stand, very secure mount to the light stand, and and allows you to be able to move the flash around on the light stand by this S-Type Bracket. It gives you a lot of flexibility about positioning the flash and how the softbox is going to be positioned on top of that light stand. Most light stands don't have any flexibility in them. They're, they're just stands, rigid stands that can't they, they can't tilt or be moved around at all. And this S-type bracket mount, it, you screw it onto the top of the light stand, and then there's a place where you can you can tilt things and get it in exactly the position you want. Then the other part is it has a little clamp wet that you can you stick the flash into the clamp. And it will clamp it in, hold it in there, and then poke into the softbox so that the, the, the flash can light up the softbox. So that Godox S-Type bracket is $20, and you're going to need one for each. If you buy t- these two of the both softboxes, um, then you're going you're to want one of these S-Type brackets for each one of those softboxes. And then they, they clip into place. It's, uh, it's a really good system, makes it work really well. And I know it sounds like it could, it's quite a bit of money to invest in this, but they're very high quality and they're going to last a while. And um, they're still relatively inexpensive compared to a lot of other options for softboxes. So very good 
recommendation there. I'm super happy with them. I use these all the time now. These two soft boxes are my main and fill light in every shoot that I do. Even in the mountains, I went last Saturday with a family up into the mountains here in Utah. We used them um, on the rocks, you know, positioning light stands and these soft boxes around. It was great. I loved it. The the photos um, I can create with the soft boxes are incredible. And I can mount my AD 200 flashes inside of them. So it's great. It works so well. All right. The last bit of gear that I'm going to recommend here. Uh, you can do a lot with the gear I've just recommended. You can do a whole lot. You could be very creative. But there may be some situations where you want to uh, you want to do something with the background. And this is what I'm going to emphasize in my Photo Taco podcast. I'm going to talk more about how to choose what background color to use for composites in particular. So look for that episode coming very soon. I've already recorded it. I just haven't edited it yet and, and published it. But uh, the uh, here's what I'm going to recommend for a background. I'm going to recommend the Impact Background Support System. That's a 12-foot wide background. It can actually collapse to be less than that too. It has four rods that make up the, the width of the background. And you can decide if you want to use... Uh, just two of them, or if you want to use three of them or four of them. So it's variable width from anywhere. I think it's from uh, probably around six feet to 12 feet. And, um, and so that, that adds some flexibility there. It is $105. So it's not totally inexpensive, (laughs) but it's uh, compared to a lot of other options that are out there. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. There are definitely cheaper options. And I'm using that word specifically here. There are other cheaper options that um, I, I've even tried uh, two and they fell apart so fast. They, they didn't hold up. They didn't even hold up through the shoot. They tipped over really easily. They were a, a real big challenge. These are not beefy ones. Uh, they're, they're, I, I call them a, a kind of portable. I use them to go and set up in my high school gyms when I'm shooting the, the high school basketball team so that I can composite photos of them. And so I, I take it with me. It's really transportable, not very heavy. I can go in there. It only takes a few minutes to set it up. It's pretty simple to set up. And, uh, and then it's, it does the job. It holds things up that I need to. I, I'm going to mention though, I did have an issue with these where there's some tips on the top of the stands. There's two stands and then the big rod that goes between them. And there's some tips that are absolutely essential for this to work. The rod goes through those tips on the light stand on the, on these two stands and those tips, they were, they're screwed on, but those screws came, uh, unthreaded really easily. The tips came unthreaded pretty easily and they kind of wore off. So I had to super glue them in place, but that totally fixed it. (laughs) They're not coming off. They're working great. And maybe it's just me, but I do want to warn. I'm I'm recommending this gear, so I'm, I want to warn you when I've had something that negative happen too. So the tips of those things did come off, and and uh, I had to super glue them in place. But after that, it's, it's been holding up just great. I've used them for about four or five years now, and they're they're holding up. It's doing well. All right, then. So that's that's the support system. That's that's going to give you a rod to hang your background on. Then you have what are you going to hang on there? And I'm going to give you three different options of what you can hang on there. And if you want to hear kind of which option I would choose for composite photography, go listen to Photo Taco episode that's coming out here in September 2019. I'll, uh, I'll have a, a link in the show notes when the episode is available. And uh, But here's the three I'm going to recommend. There's the Impact Chroma Sheet Background 10 by 12. So I love the Impact brand. Whenever I can find something that's Impact, 
Um, I kind of know what the quality is going to be from that product because of the experience I've had with all the other impact branded products that I've had. And so I, I prefer it over newer if I can, if it's there. And, uh, but when it's not, then the newer is the next option that I usually go to for this kind of inexpensive beginner sort of style, um, lighting equipment. And I've never grown out of it. <laughs> I'm still using this inexpensive lighting equipment. Okay, so uh, the Impact Chroma Sheet background, that's the green background. It's 10 by 12 feet, and that's $60. Then there's the newer two-piece 10 by 12 foot muslin black and white. So two, it's two muslins, a black one and a white one. And that's together, they're 50 bucks the two, for the both of them. Um, I don't actually own those. I bought my black and white muslins at a garage sale. So I, I was very fortunate. I ran into a garage sale where they actually had that, th- those two, and, and then some, um, colored backgrounds for, and, and I got them all for, I, I don't know, it was like 30 or 40 bucks for four of them. So you can look out for that too. That'd be a good thing to, to watch for is watching for garage sales. So I don't own this specific thing, but if I was going to go buy my own black and white muslins, this is the one I would pick. And then the last one is a gray muslin that I don't have. And this is on my wish list. I'm hoping I'll, I'll get it soon so I can have it as an option when I'm shooting. And that's the newer 10 by 12 gray muslin. It's $27. So links to everything I've mentioned in the show notes, like I said. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to be the end of my endless talking here. I hope that you found it helpful for those of you who are beginning your journey into adding artificial light to your photography. How to use all this stuff is your next challenge, but at least now you have a place to go to to find the stuff to get. And you can get it, you know, one thing at a time, like I talked about. You don't have to buy it all at once. It's fun if you can, but... Uh, you can get one thing at a time. And then I hope that you learn enough that you you decide you've outgrown this gear. That that would be my goal for you. Start here. It's a really good place to start. It's enough quality. You, you can use it for a while. But I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to grow out of it and be like, okay, that was good. It was a good start. But I actually am doing way more of this than I thought I would. And that's not as strong as I need it or the flashes I, I, I need more strength. And there's the, uh, I never did explain the reason Godox is my recommendation is it can grow. You can grow in the Godox world and you don't have to throw anything away. You don't have to throw away your TT 600 lights because when you add the AD 200 to your kit, you can combine the two seamlessly. That controller talks to all of them. And, uh, and then there's other options too. There's an 8,400 and 8,600, more power, more capabilities as you grow. There's room to grow in that system. That's, that's one of the big pluses why I'm recommending Godox over other brands, uh, including the, over the Young Newell system, which is catching up so they have more growth options too. But for now, Godox is the one that I'm, I'm going to recommend. Solid, solid option. Okay. Uh, we're going to close up the show here now. Doodads. I don't have any doodads because all it's been is doodads of the week. So we're not going to go over any other doodads. You've got plenty to choose from this week. And I, I hope that you found them helpful. I'm going to remind you, masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show. You can go there and check it out. Facebook group. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. 
And you can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com or the other podcast I do, phototacopodcast.com. And I am going to release an episode in September and it's going to be telling you the best background to use for composites and why. Well, I'm going to go through kind of some details on that. Uh, you can also search all kinds of topics over there at phototacopodcast.com. If you have a question, especially a more technical kind of question about photography, I probably have an episode on it. I probably have something written up and audio that you can go listen to. If you found this episode helpful, then you're going to love Photo Taco and go, go check that out. I'll have my links to, to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for my personal accounts. And, uh, and that's, that's everything for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all you listeners. I hope that it wasn't too big of a bore to have my one voice talking to you the, the whole episode. And, and I hope you ha- found it helpful. And I, I hope that in the future, uh, I'm, I'm intending to point people to this episode in the Facebook group as these questions continue to come up about what gear do you recommend for photography? And I'll, I'll point to this one until I come up with newer recommendations, which I'm sure will happen. Gear changes over time. I'm sure I'm going to try out new things and say, okay, I'm going to switch like I did switching my recommendation from the young Nuo to the Godox system. And uh, thank you all so much. I really appreciate all of you listening. And we'll see you again in another seven days. Bye.